Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Well, as you're sitting, I want to kind of just, I had Chuck read Psalm 112, even though we're going through Proverbs. So it sounds kind of weird, you know, we're going through Proverbs and he's doing a Psalm reading. But hopefully, as he read this and as you were reading it, that you can see clearly where we're heading as we begin our conversation today that we have been considering all the different aspects of wisdom. We have gone into the pearls of wisdom and two weeks ago transitioned into um, what it has to say about finances. So two weeks ago we considered our attitude on finance, then we considered the acquisition of finance, and today we'll be looking at, Lord willing, the administration of finances. And so we considered then our attitude on finances two weeks ago. We looked at our position, our priority, our pursuit, and all those things centralized in Yahweh, that Yahweh ought to be our priority. He ought to be our focus. And that if he is our focus, then he'll be our pursuit. And then last week, when we considered then the acquisition of finances, how we get money, then clearly again, if I am pursuing Yahweh, if my heart is focused on Yahweh, if the word of Yahweh, if you would, is hidden in my heart, then it's going to guide me in how I acquire money, what I do to make money. And so we saw that we're supposed to deal honestly and we're supposed to work wisely. And so in the the dealing honestly phase, we consider the fact that we're not supposed to use deception, nor then are we supposed to use thievery. Then we considered the part about working wisely and we saw via industriousness and then via investments. The industriousness, again, is talking about working, laboring, That's what God designed us to do. The minute he made Adam, he placed him in the garden and told him to keep the garden, to work. But then the concept of investments we used as well as far as acquiring things. And some of you shared some of those concepts of investment even from your own fields. And so I think it was Gerald who was sharing about even like a forklift, um, the importance of a forklift, you know, and importance of maintaining the forklift. And so if anybody ever worked in a warehouse situation, you know how important that is. You go to Home Depot, and it's like you're waiting forever to find someone who can drive a forklift and then will bring the material down to you because it's way on high, and you can't go climbing way up there in order to get your, your plywood. So but that's an investment. Having a, uh, a uh, forklift at that moment really is an investment in your business. You can store things higher up. You can spend less money for warehousing space. You track where I'm going with that? Okay. So we bring that same concept then into, into the spiritual realm. And that's where Jesus then, we ended, Jesus then talking again to the servants, the ones he gave the, the, the minus two or the ones he gave the talents to. And he, basically we find out from the last guy who didn't do anything with it that he should have at least invested it in the, the bank. And again, we know that you're not going to get hardly any interest from the bank. But the idea is that you still should invest what you have. And so we're told in God's word, that we ought to redeem the time, for the days are evil. 
And if you can't see it today, how evil it's getting, I don't know how dark it's got to get. And so the time is getting darker and darker. We who are in the light ought to live as though we're in the light. And we ought to be investing, if you would, in the kingdom, not in this world. This world is, First John chapter 2, passing away in the lusts thereof. But those who do the will of God will abide forever. Hmm. Okay, pretty poignant. Today we were going to get into then the um, acquisition of finances, or I mean the administration of finances, how we used it. Okay, last week we talked about getting it. This week we want to talk about how we use it. This is not a message on tithing. We did that about a month and a half ago when we were in Proverbs chapter 3 and we were told to honor Yahweh with our first fruits. And so we discussed the fact. So this isn't that. I'm not going back and rehashing that again. Again, you know I'm not one that's going to stand here and, and beg for you to get, give because if you give from the wrong motivation, it's the wrong motivation. And really it's not what you need to do. But God says a lot in his word, specifically again in the book of Proverbs, about principles that ought to guide how we use the resources that he has entrusted to us. I have got to realize that I am a steward. Exactly. I'm a steward. This isn't all mine. This is actually all his. That goes back to that position. Yahweh is the maker and owner of everything. So I really don't have a bank account. God does. I really don't own a house. God does. So how I use the resources, the money in that bank account, how I use that house, how I then use the car, which he has graciously allowed me to have, any other resource you want to place in there, my time, really I've got to have it in my mind that I am just his steward, using it, hopefully, I ought to be, for his glory, for the advancement of his his kingdom. And so if he has afforded me the privilege of having a, a particular item, I was going to say thing, but you know, item is a better word than just thing, that if he gives me stuff, he's given it to me, to what? To use for him. Not to embellish for myself. And yet, God in his grace, God in his graciousness, does allow me to have more than I, what? Need. And so it's not an evil thing for me to have resources. He's just allowed me to have them to serve him. So in this Psalm 112, we'll come back to this maybe a little bit later, um, but I'm sure I'm going to be running so short a time that I won't even come back to it. And so, but as Chuck read through it, hopefully you see this in it, that like verse 5, a good man deals what? Graciously um, in lens. He will guide his affairs with discretion. He's talking about how he's going to administer the resources that he has. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in Yahweh. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, right? Trust in Yahweh with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, paths, directions. And he will what? Say again? He will direct your paths, okay? So if you trust him in all your ways, he will direct your paths, okay? And so, so he's trusting in Yahweh. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemy. He has, verse 9, he has dispersed abroad. He has given it to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. But in the end, I th- love, th- and so instead of cutting this verse, this psalm short, I, we read it all the way out. What does is, what is the, the last verse have to do with anything else about this? The, the wicked will see it and be grieved. They will gnash their teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. What, what does that have to do with anything else that we just read? Say again. It's the opposite. But the world observes what you're doing. The world observes what you're doing. You don't light a lampstand and do what? 
put it under a bushel or stick it under your bed. Rather, you stick it on a lampstand so that it can give light to everybody in the area. When it brings light to everybody in the area, what it's really doing is dispelling the darkness because people are living in darkness, right? And so what happens when you walk according to the truth of God's word in front of them? It exposes their darkness. Did you like that? Or hopefully it's, it's not still happening, but probably still is. And sometimes when someone is living like the light in front of you, and their little bit of light exposes your lot of bit of darkness, and, and, and you say, well, praise God for the showing me the darkness. Probably didn't happen that way, right? Your first reaction was what? Yeah, like you shared in your testimony, right? It's like, ah, I'm going to fight. I'm going to be embattled, you know? And, and so that was in, a, in an honorable way. But still, that's kind of how we deal with this thing, you know? And, and yet, it's what I want. So this is what Psalm 112 is talking about, that as you start to disperse among the poor, and as you live a gracious life, because the grace of God is flowing through you, not just in you, but through you. The grace of God flowing into you and stopping there is very selfish and very me-focused. The grace of God is supposed to be flowing through me to others. And as it does that, some people are going to be blessed and some people are going to be mad. They're going to be mad. They're going to be gnashing the teeth because what does it reveal about them? Say again, Steve. Sin. That's exactly right. They're not going to be able to do that. So we want to move on then with this administration of our finances. And the first thing I want to talk about real quickly here um, is the, the term extravagance. You can see in parentheses I put prodigal, okay? Prodigal spending, extravagant spending, luxurious spending, overindulgent spending, okay? So this is a principle. Maybe it should come out at the end, but I think that by the end we're going to run through, and I don't want to run through this because this is the overarching thing that we need to think about here, okay? And that is Proverbs 21, verse 17 says, He who, what? Loves pleasure. Do you remember the end of last week about the love of money is the what? root of all evil okay it's not money being the root of all evil it's the love of money so the concept of pleasure is in and of itself isn't bad god created what things to be enjoyable pleasing god looked out after he created everything and said what it's good he didn't say oh it's bearable this is good i like this because it's just bearable no, it was pleasing. Pleasing to the eye. He created things that were pleasing to the eye, and he created things that were, were pleasing as a whole. So pleasure in and of itself isn't wrong. It's, though, what we do with it. And so he who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will, be, will not be rich. The idea is that he is self-focused. We talked about this yesterday, guys, in the, the men's breakfast, that this is going to be a sign of the last days, that men will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of god they'll be all full of self-pleasure and so they'll be self-pleasing individuals this is that guy who's here psalm 23 then says do not mix with wine bibbers or gluttonous eaters of meat for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags okay so overindulgent drinking overindulgent eating this is the message that preached a couple of days before thanksgiving okay our, our celebrated day of gluttony okay you don't need to be a glutton. You don't need to eat more than you need to eat. You don't... Look, if there's only two of you, you really don't need a 24-pound turkey, okay? That's all I'm going to say, okay? Yes, and we finished it in two hours. And so, the, you get where I'm going. That, that's a hyperbole, but you get where I'm going on this thing. That God is very clear when it comes to this stuff. That's all self-focused. I'm doing it because I'm wanting to please myself. Not necessarily because I'm wanting to please God. Well, God wants us to please Him. So, there's nothing wrong with having a turkey on Thanksgiving, okay? That's a, a national kind of tradition. If you want to have ham, you can have ham. My, like, my wife likes ham. Anyways, and so you can, we'll probably have both. We'll be self-indulgent, and we'll have both turkey and ham. And so, um, but the idea, though, is be careful. Jesus told us that we needed to change the way we think because we are so inundated by the thinking of the world. And so as I go into these 
festivals, these feasts, these holy days, these holidays, I needed to be thinking about who am I really seeking to please on these days. Jesus then shared a parable, and I'm, we're not going to go there right now. You can look at it later. You're all, probably all familiar with the, the, the parable of the prodigal son. Okay? So again, but what we don't think about what prodigal means is it's wasteful. It's extravagant spending. And that's why he's called the prodigal. And so if, here, this is just vocabulary.com. This is just, just, just a very um, generic, it's not a scriptural um, definition. But look at what the world says about prodigal. Your prodigal spending on fancy coffee drinks, uh, your prodigal spending on fancy coffee drinks might leave you with no money to buy lunch. You think, oh, somebody from the from from a church must have stated that. No, this is just a this is a secular uh, place. That's their their illustration of how to use that word, and so that's what happens. We have wasteful spending, and so this this young man, okay, he asks his dad for his inheritance. Now, in and of itself, is that evil? Well, it was going to be his, right? But what makes it evil in that, in that culture is really he was saying to his dad, I wish you were dead, because that's when you get your inheritance, right? And so dad, remember, so agrarian society, it's not like he's got all the bank accounts in the IRA and he's got to just kind of cash in some of his stocks. That means he's selling fields and he's selling herds and he's selling flocks in order that he might come together with the money because the guy doesn't want the, the herds and the flocks in the, in the fields. What he wants is the money because he wants to take the money and spend it on what he wants to spend the money on. He doesn't want to be tied down to this farmer's life. Now, I know I'm reading into the story, okay? But you've got to kind of see what happens because he gets the money and what does he do? He takes off. And he, and he takes off someplace else and he begins to waste his money. He, got, he gets a lot of friends. It's amazing how many friends you have when you've got a lot of money and you're really loose with it. But all of a sudden the money's gone and what happens to your friends? Quote, unquote, they're gone too, okay? Because they weren't, really weren't your friends, right? So now all of a sudden we see the prodigal. Where is, he, where is he working? He's working on the farm. He's back on a farm. But he's not back on a kosher farm, if you would. He's back on a pig farm. He's ministering to pigs. Do you get uh, who this guy was? He, he was an heir, of a lot of property and a lot of money. But now he's down to nothing. And he's just yearning to eat what the pigs eat. For a Jewish guy, it doesn't get much lower than that. Do you get that? So finally he says, well, man, I might as well, if I'm going to be a servant, (laughs) wanting to eat the slop of a pig, I might as well go back and work for my dad. I might as well be under bondage and legalism to my father. Because they eat better than I am. So he goes back to his dad, and his dad, what? You know the story. Runs, just runs out to meet him, you know, and just hugs him and, and brings him in, okay? But the prodigal, how he gets where he goes. Now, you know what well, you don't read in that? He doesn't get another what? Inheritance. He squandered his inheritance. He squandered it. He doesn't get another portion. The rest of it belongs to the oldest son. He squandered it. He gets to live in the house. God's going to, God, the father, is going to take care of him, meet his basic needs. But there is no more, you get another portion. You had that. Now you get whatever you, you get. I hope the weight of that just kind of sinks on you. God has entrusted us with so much. It has grieved me over the years of how many people I've had to give counseling for financial debt where they they haven't been able to serve the Lord because of debt. They've squandered the inheritance that God has given them. Money, time, effort, because they chased after the things of the world with profligate spending. Extravagant, luxurious, wasteful, spending on themselves only to find out that again the wisdom of the world led them to where to destruction to decay to emptiness as solomon declares in ecclesiastes vanity of vanities 
So be careful of extravagant spending. <clears throat> Secondly, then, debt. Debt. We're going to do two things here. First of all, being the cosigner. And then secondly, being the actual one who is the borrower. But look what it says about cosigning. We talked about this from Acts 6 um, when we talked about um, um, trustworthiness. But Proverbs eleven fifteen: He who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is secure. So you'll note that the two words surety there are in two different what? Colors. So if you've been with me long enough, you mean that you know that that means what? There's two different words behind the scenes, right? And so the first word is the word arav, um, which means to mingle or to guarantee, okay? The second word is the word um, tacha, which means to thrust forth. And so you'll see it um, here, shakes hands in a pledge. The idea is that you're thrusting out your hand to, to shake hands. And so shaking hands used to mean what? It was your word. You do it. Make sense? Okay, so that's the idea, is you're thrusting it forth. The other one is that you're, you're mingling, actually. You're becoming commingled with them because, in a sense, you're becoming surety. You're, you are co-joining with them financially, saying that if they bail out on you, then what? I'll pay it. I'll pay it. And so this is all what it says then. A man devoid of understanding plunges forth his hands, if you would, in a pledge, and becomes then the surety for his friend. Proverbs 22, 26, 27, do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take away your bed from under you? Okay, now we're getting into more specific details. Because you became surety, and and Ralph, there's no Ralphs here, right? So, So Ralph bails out on the debt. So what are the, ta- the, the debt collectors going to do? They're coming after Ralph. Then they're coming after you because Ralph didn't have anything anyway. That's why you had a cosign. So now they're coming after you and they're taking your car. Title Pond's coming and taking your car away because you put your title up for Ralph. Bible says that's foolish. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I've shared. I've done that now for my third, third time. I've done it for my kids. I hate it. I hate it, and I tell my kid when I do it, this goes against my grain. But I understand in the culture that we live in right now, for you to be able to get this thing, that I got to do this. And so you under, understand that this is a massive trust, because if you bail out on this thing, I'm not. I'm not declaring bankruptcy. I'll pay. But it's your debt. And so... People say, whoa, that's kind of rough to talk to your kids that way. No, I want them to understand the severity of what's happening here. This is your debt. You're choosing to go to the, away to school. You have other options. You're doing this. I'm going to come alongside you in your dream right now. But you better stick it out, and you better do what you've told me. You, this is your word. You complete your word. And so we've had some talks with my kids at different times where they wanted to, to jump ahead of their, 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 their word. And I said, no, no, we have an agreement. Your agreement is your agreement, and you're sticking to your agreement. When the agreement's completed, you can do whatever you want to do. But you have an agreement, and we're going to stick it out. Proverbs 20, verse 16, and then as well, 27, 13, says basically the same thing. Take the garment of one who is surety for a what? A stranger. <laughs> yeah, I would. And hold it as a pledge if it's for a seductress. What are they basically saying at this point? What's the, what's the idea here? Whether there are what? A good risk. Isn't that what happens when you go to buy a house or you go to buy a car or anything else that you're looking for credit? They're going to establish your what? Risk factor. That's really what your credit rating is, isn't it? It's a risk factor. What's the, what's the risk that as the, the guy giving you the loan that I'm taking that you're going to pay it back? So if you're doing it for somebody you don't even know, there's a pretty good what? risk factor there you don't even know the guy i know someone who did that the guy couldn't get his own credit cards he owned a business couldn't get his own credit cards so this other guy let him use his credit cards ten thousand dollars worth of equipment and the guy went belly up and took the equipment (laughs) 
But the other individual spent years what? Paying it off because it was in his name. Yeah, not a smart move. Hold it as a pledge if it's for a seductress. What do you know about the seductress? She's living a wrongful lifestyle and probably is going to continually have what? Issues. Now, this sounds tacky and this sounds harsh. I'm going to bring applications, real-life applications here. I get a lot of calls on the church phone for people who need help. It is the hardest part of my job. The hardest part of my job is to tell people, no, we can't help. It goes against my grain. I don't like saying no. And yet, there are people who are living that wasteful, profligate, remember the first thing, right? Extravagant life. And they're wasting their money, and then they're down at ground zero, and they want the church, which they never attended, not even just this one, but no church, but they want to come, and they want the church to bail them out. Now, I'm all for helping at first. If there's really a what? A need. Many, many, many years ago, days of the landlines, okay? One, someone called me up. I could hear the, the, the TV blasting in the background, okay? So they had cable. They had cable TV and everything, right? And while I'm talking to them, they put me on hold because they had call waiting. So they came back. Now, you, you laugh, but again, if you've been saved long, you've got the Word of God in you. So you, you're, the way you're thinking is changing. So you've got to try to go back 30 years ago and how you would have thought before you knew Jesus. They don't get that. And so I have to be the one on the phone telling them, wait a second, you actually do have some opportunities here to add some, mo- some money into, your, into your, your, your situation. Get rid of the cable. I can't do that. You're getting ready to lose your house. You're not going to have it anyway. Get rid of call. I can't do that. Well, then lose the house, and guess what? You're going to lose it all anyway. I took a guy to to Publix once to buy food, and um, we. I again, this. I don't mean to be self gratifying. I really don't. But I, I I got tired of turning things into the church, and so this guy we administered to for quite a while, previous church, and um. So this is a long, long time ago. Anyways, no, I took him to Publix, actually. I took him to Publix. I know I took him to Publix. And so, and it was the north one in National Hills. That's how I know. And Because he had never been to Publix. And so he wanted to go to Publix. Said, okay, fine. So I'm walking with him in, in Publix, and I thought, I cannot do I am not doing this. So I gave him the, the resources, the, the money that I had that we'd committed. And, uh, and it came out of our food budget. Make sense? It was just, if you have a budget, then... If you're going to use money someplace, it's got to come out of another part of your budget. So it came out of our food budget. And so anyways, so this guy, I said, Here, you just take the money, because it was cash. You just, you just spend it, but I want the receipt. When you're done, bring me the receipt. You know, that just helps me to know a little bit of it. So he brought it out, gave me the receipt, and said, but we kept $20 because she has a prescription still to fill. Do you mind if we use it for that? No, praise the Lord. I mean, that's kind of cool, right? So, so I take him home, and yada, 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 and I... I you know, I, I looked through the, the receipts later. He bought quail. He bought quail. I don't buy quail. So next time he came out and we talked. I mean, again, we had, I've had a long ministry with this guy, um, even into this church on, on the side. And so, but most of you, you guys might have met him once, but most of you probably would have never met him. Um, and so... He's a Steeler fan. I mean, you know, he's got to be good. Anyways, um, I mean, to be born down here to be a Steeler fan, you know he's got to be called. So, um, <laughs> sorry. Had to throw that in. Um, but, I mean, I was pretty, pretty straight with him. I said, I'm not helping you again unless we get to do some financial counseling. I don't even do that. This guy was not married, but he was living with his bride for many years. Because the government gives you more money if you're not married and you have a bunch of kids. So they had kids. But she wasn't married. So she was able to get government help. And I told him, I ain't helping you anymore. This is even before the, the public's one. I'm not helping you anymore. Because you're living a lie. You say you love God, but you're living a lie. How can you do that? And you're ripping off the government. 
So if you want help, you guys are going to have to be right. You know what he did? He got married. He did what was right. This is hard stuff, man. I mean, how do you tell somebody, you know? But he loved the Lord. He just wasn't taught. Thinking like the world. So then I have to talk about, you know, dude, you buy ground meat and you'll have five more days of food than you would have had with that quail. You know, you don't need to keep doing this stuff. But this guy would walk all the way from downtown, all the way out into Columbia County so he could find work and work. There are those kind of people out there. But there's a whole lot more that don't want to work. So what do you do? Well, for me, application is I can't keep helping them. I can't keep enabling them. If somebody is willing to work, then I want to help them. But I'm not going to become surety, if you would, for them. I'm not going to become their enabler, the thing that they're leaning on. Really, in a sense, when you co-sign somebody's loan, you are enabling them. You're helping them. They're leaning on you at that moment. Now, hopefully, they're going to be trustworthy, and they're going to do what? They're going to pay it off, and they're going to be able to stand on their own. Application-wise, for me, this is how this plays out. There are going to be people that I may come alongside, and I, in a sense, become surety for, if you would. I'm helping them. But there's got to be a what? An end game. There's an out. And so, with that individual... That I told you that guy, there was an out. It's only going to happen so many more times. That's it. And you, you have to do this on your own. You have to do this on your own. Anyways. But the second thing then is being the borrower. So now it's me actually borrowing money. Well, the Bible is really clear on this one, right? Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rules over the what? Poor. And the borrower is servant to the lender. We... As a church, right now, are in debt. Now, you look at the, 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 uh, the, the bulletin, and it says we have what? We have thousands of dollars in the checking account and thousands of dollars in the savings account. How can I now say that we're in debt? The lights are on. The air conditioning is on. We owe Georgia Power, and we owe Georgia Natural Gas, or whoever we have for... Do we have Georgia Natural Gas for our... our, our gas is this electric oh so it's just georgia we're really in the georgia power yeah and so so the minute you turn them on you're you got that you can say no okay and so if you know now some people are good okay the ultimately what you want to do is get to the point where you're not in debt to anybody except for georgia power well yeah god but georgia power now if you really get good you put up solar panels right and, and then you can be in debt to God, because I mean, now you're really fully relying upon God to give you sun so that you'd have power, right? And when you do that, disconnect from Georgia Power. Get rid of the crutch. I'm really relying now upon God and God only. If we, if we have a bunch of cloudy days, that means I have no power. I have no power, it means I have no freezer. Ooh, am I picking on some of you guys with freezers? Anyways, so if I have no freezer... Ooh, that would be a blessing, actually, wouldn't it? You get rid of all that internet and all that cell phone, and you get back to, what a blessing that would be. We think, no way, but it really would be. Anyways, we've got to move on. Psalm 37, though, okay? Nope. Yeah, this is, no, this, people were on Zoom would find something else. But that's okay, they could find something else, okay? And that's nothing personal to you guys on Zoom, okay? But the reality is, honestly, we, we go back to the little house in the prairie days, and we, even if we had no cars, right? I mean, it didn't stop people in the past from gathering together with like-minded people. We just do it differently today. So Psalm 37, the wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives, for those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by Yahweh. He delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for Yahweh upholds him with his hand. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread he is ever merciful in lens his descendants are what blessed so rather than being the borrower we become the lender ephesians chapter 4 remember we talked about when we talk about thievery not doing thievery let him who steals steal no more but rather labor with his hands that he may have in order that he might give to those who have a need. 
So instead of being the borrower, we want to be the lender. But when we lend, we do so without expecting repayment. See, because then it's a what? A gift. I don't lend. I don't lend. I give gifts. If I give gifts, then there's no offense between us if you don't pay it back. I had one guy I gave a gift to. In his mind, it was a loan. But I said, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. It's a gift. You need help. It's a gift. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm going to pay you. He's never paid me back. And, um, but it's okay. He's still my friend. I still love him. Does it make sense? It makes sense. And so because, <laughs> for those watching on Zoom, the Lord has challenged me this week to get rid of that does it make sense um, puzzle thing that I do. So, but it does make sense from that perspective that there's nothing between us. He probably doesn't even remember it. And it's okay with me because I gave it as a gift. I didn't expect repayment. If he chooses to repay, that just means that now God gave me back a little bit more of the resources so I can do what with it? Give it to somebody else. You can ever, never outgive God. Well, the, the third area that we want to look at, because I'm, I'm going to fly because I really want to get to this fourth point here, is savings, okay? And in, under the concept of savings, just these two verses here, Proverbs 13, verse 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That would be what? Grandkids, Okay. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Ooh, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? A good man leaves an inheritance to his grandkids, but the wealth of a sinner ultimately is going to be stored up for the righteous. What generally happens to the wealth of people who are into self-pleasure? Well, not just from the pocket. It goes from the pocket to what? To somebody else's pocket because they're self-pleasure. That means they're always going to be buying things for themselves. And so the money just goes, gets put out, okay? Well, God says that ultimately the wealth of the sinner is going to be stored up for the, the righteous. That's an interesting thought to ponder. Because if you have a proper, again, perspective of wealth then you understand, and as a steward, then God is allowing that storehouse of the unrighteous to come into your stewardship for what purpose? To be used for his, his glory and his kingdom. And so, how exciting it is that God then takes the wealth of the sinner and has it become the investment being played out for his kingdom. And so Proverbs 19, verse 14, houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from Yahweh. Again, I'm not, some other time we'll talk about the Proverbs 31 woman and that kind of stuff, and I'll warn you ladies so you can all leave or make sure your husbands aren't here or whatever, however you want to play that out. But, um, but when we get there, okay, one of the reality is that a prudent wife is from, from, from God, it's from Yahweh. Yahweh's the one who provides it. But that's assuming that I'm what? I'm looking for it. Because if I'm, I'm a self-pleasured guy, then I'm really looking for something that what? Pleases me, not necessarily pleases God. And, and I can um, be, be honest and straight. Marcia and I didn't know the Lord before we got married. This is, for me, one of the major points of God's grace in my life. I wasn't looking for a prudent wife. Pfft, what? I was looking for, because oh, that's what I was. I was, I was an unbeliever. I was think like an unbeliever. I thought like an unbeliever. That's what I wanted. I wanted, oh, and I found it. And, but God in his grace, that's why I always say she is the second greatest gift to me other than Christ himself. Because he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to. And he's had to work on me massively in our marriage for me to appreciate what he has given to me so that I would stop getting in his way of continuing to conform her to the image of Christ herself and becoming that prudent wife. 
I wanted to be the Holy Spirit in her life. No, I'm struggled the other way, I'm sure, as well. But I had to stop being that. Because, again, what the image of a wife was in my mind was still so broken. I can give houses and riches, but I can't give my sons a prudent wife. Only Yahweh's going to do that. What an inheritance. All right, generosity. That's where we're heading here real quick. Okay? And so, two areas in this part, um, as we're going to look at this, um, that we're going we're to consider. We're going to consider the consideration of the poor and then the distribution of our surplus. But that's going to all come here again on Psalm 112, which we um, just considered earlier. And so, again, just highlighting this, that this upright individual, he is gracious and full of compassion. He deals graciously, and he what? He lends. He will guide affairs with discretion because he's trusting in Yahweh. He's dispersed abroad. He is given to the poor. Now, in that then, in this area, we see this distribution, this disbursement, but we also see an attitude that he has. And it's going to be the consideration of the poor is going to be this first, when it comes to my surplus, if you would, this is what I'm calling generosity. I told you we're not going to talk about tithing and that kind of stuff. That's an assumption that we already dealt with it. You understand what God has, okay? So after, so as I deal with budget, as I deal with counseling on budget, first and foremost is you give to God, okay? The second thing is you've got to deal with your basic debt, debt. You've got to deal with debt. Well, actually, number two, sorry, is taxation. That's actually part of your debt, but, but you've got government. The government's going to take your taxes, and then you got debts. I mean, everybody has debts. Again, there's certain debts that are you're just going to have. How many of you live in a house? Oh, you all do. Okay, good. Okay. Um, now, this is, I shouldn't even say it that way because actually there are some people who are struggling. I even had a call this week of someone who's living in their car. So, again, those are hard calls. Um, and so, anyways, the fact that you live in a house, you are making a payment unless you have finalized your payments your payment is either in the form of rent or in the form of mortgage either one of those you're a debtor i'd rather be paying a mortgage because in my mind it's a rent that i can what ultimately get out of because i've paid it all off i hate the amortization we talked about that last week they're ripping off the 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 usury that is that is charged us on these things okay however it's on my culture. I got to deal with it. And so from my perspective, I could get out of it, but then I'd pay what? Rent. Do you know what rent really is? It's somebody else's mortgage plus. That's exactly right. Because they're paying off that house so they can make money off of you. So I'd rather pay my, money, my house off and, and keep money for myself or for God's usage from that perspective. So, so in this consideration, though, then of the poor, it's, what do I think? How do I think of them? Because now, oh, I was talking about, so my debt, and then I have the, the savings to put, put aside, but then I have this surplus, this, what I'm going to call generosity, because God gives me the surplus for his purpose. Well, what I think of the poor is really going to color how I use my surplus when it comes to giving to the poor. I would challenge you that most of you probably are on the conservative side of the aisle when it comes to politics. And because of that, you've been colorized by the world to have an, a, a negative appreciation for the poor. That you are looking through colored glasses and that you disdain those who may not have as much as, as you. I'm not saying entirely, and I'm not saying all you, but just deal, you know, there is the point where we do stereotype and we do look at things and, and understand that there is a part where that is true. However, we then tend to look down our noses upon the people who are, quote-unquote, less fortunate. And we need to remember what God said um, in the beginning. We talked about this two weeks ago. The rich and the poor have this in common. Yahweh is the maker of 
them all. The poor man and the oppressor have this in common. Yahweh gives light to the eyes of both of them. Okay? They, even that poor man, that poor woman, is made in the image and likeness of God. God loves them. God cares about them. God causes the rain to come upon the just and the unjust. He causes the, the sun to come upon the righteous and the unrighteous. God loves, okay? So I need to be able to think that. Proverbs 22, verse 16 then says, He who oppresses the poor to increase his riches, and who gives to the rich, will surely come to what? Poverty. So if I'm looking out there, do not rob the poor because he is poor, nor oppress the afflicted at the gate, for Yahweh will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. If I am taking advantage of the poor, and there are so many in the world, normally, again, hopefully, there are unbelievers who are doing it. Because why are they doing it? Because they're seeking to please themselves. And so they overcharge. Do we not see that in our day today? The overcharging of things? I mean, the minute masks, everybody had to start wearing masks, the price of masks, what? Go up. I mean, there was a period of time when you were trying to buy um, hand sanitizer, right? And, I mean, it's like, I'd rather have hand sanitizer than gold because it was worth more. And how silly. Why? Because people were... Hoarding and gouging the market, okay? The hoarding is another thing, okay? The, go- the, the gouging is yet another. That's, that's ripping people off. That's robbing the poor. Because if you can't afford it, then what? Oh, well, you can't, you can't get it, okay? And so, again, God doesn't say anything about making a profit. That's important, making a profit. However, again, we put that in the, in the, in the line of usury. So, Proverbs 14, 21, the poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. We just talked about that. As long as you have money, people are going to like you. He who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy, said, on the poor, happy is he. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the, the needy. He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad of calamity will not go unpunished. He who has pity on the poor lends to who? Lends to Yahweh. And he, that is Yahweh, will pay back what he has given. Whoever shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. Those are five pretty poignant verses about how I am supposed to have an attitude toward the poor. Are there going to be times when I give to somebody who is in need and they don't pay it back more than likely in fact it's probably going to be more likely than not likely but based upon these verses you know you don't you love these multiple choice questions based upon these verses what does god tell me happens when that happens say again he will repay that yahweh himself i need to have it in my brain that i'm not given to that person It's not that person that I'm helping. It's not my money to give. I just need to be a wise, trustworthy steward. And so God has allowed this individual to come into my path to test my faith, if you would, in what I'm going to do with the resources. Am I going to hoard them for myself or am I going to share them with somebody else? Without the expectation that it's ever going to get paid back. But again, you cannot outgive God. It is amazing to me, again, as I consider our budget, as I consider our expenditures. It never makes sense to me. I shouldn't be able to do some of the things I do financially because of how much money goes out. It just doesn't make sense. But God always makes it multiply. And again, as a math major, it boggles my brain. When I was in seminary, my monthly expenditures on paper were $10 more a month than what I knew I'd be getting in. But when we gave, we always had extra. But when I started getting nervous, I never had enough to give a tithe at the end. So I just started, I learned, just give, give. And God's going to what? He's going to give it back. I don't know how it comes. It just does. Whether one bill winds up being not as much as this month and it was supposed to have been or whatever it plays out. I mean, God just has multiple ways. He owns it all. He's just asked me to be 
the steward, faithful steward, yes. And so, so when I look at the poor then, except by the grace of God, there go I. I know it's a cliche, but it's so true. Why, can, why should I look down my nose? Look, I know who I've been. And I know the decisions I've made. And I could very easily not have seven kids, not be married, or be on my fifth marriage or sixth marriage, and be living in a cardboard box under the Fifth Street Bridge. I know decisions I was making. I know the path that they could have led me. <laughs> it is enough. If you need any humbling, man, you know, it's enough to bring you... Hum- I mean, I, I'm nothing, man. I am that worm. I mean, I just... I say that, but I mean that. I know who I am. I know what God has saved me from. Who am I to think that I need to be a millionaire on this earth? And the mind-boggling thing, here we go. If you even focus on the fact that you're getting treasures in heaven, you're still stinking selfish. Because if you're only giving it so you get treasures in heaven, you're still thinking only about you. It's not about me. Either here or thou. Then. It's about God. My, when I get into his presence, I just want to glorify him. If he gives me any crowns, then praise God. That's fine. All I'm going to want to do is do what? Lay them back down at his feet anyway, knowing that they're all his anyway. And so if there's any part of me that's involved in this, it's got to go. It's got to go. And sometimes God tests you by bringing that poor person into your life. And you've got to spend something on that worthless individual, quote-unquote, and I don't mean that literally, but that's how we figuratively see this, rather than getting the thing that you really wanted yourself. That you're going to sacrifice something that you wanted to meet the needs of that individual that the world would say doesn't deserve it. But Philippians chapter 2, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the very morphe, the very nature, form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of the servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death he sacrificed it all for you in me and from god's perspective if you would other than being made in his image and likeness i certainly wasn't worth it and so how do you know O man what God's going to do with the little bitty resources you have in the life of another individual. Again, I go back to that one guy. What a blessing. And so someone at some point in our life gave us a van. Gave us a van. Our van had, had a, um, a head uh, gasket blow, you know, antifreeze into my... And so I was in the middle of Walmart parking lot. All of a sudden, I smell antifreeze coming through my heater. I had knew something was bad at that point. You know. So, anyways, so we didn't have the resources to go buy another vehicle. Someone gave us a van. They called it the shame. And so it's okay. I was glad at that point. You're willing to what? You, yeah. Okay. It's a van. It ran right. So I used. We used it for for years. In the beginning of this church, we used it. And it was my work van for a while, too. I mean, it was my family van and my work van at the same time. It was my work van when I took the middle seat out. It was a family van when I put the middle seat back in. Make sense? And so, yes, it makes sense. And so, <laughs> and so, <laughs> so we used that thing. Till, I mean, it's like it's running until the Lord provided us funds that we could get a 15 passenger because we had too many kids to fit in the shame and so god provided and i want to, that's another story about how god provides a 15 passenger right but that's only because he knew we were going to have this bus ministry where i'm going to have all these kids coming into the the, the kids club anyways it was just a, a, a nuts how god does this stuff well then all of a sudden this guy comes blows back into my life after years he had a child who and i don't know how to say this other than to be real with it it was a crack baby who um a cocaine baby who was just all, you know, but she had survived for many, many years. And so she, there's this, uh, uh, this baby in an adult body, and they were able, going to be able to do something up in 
um, the Shriners Hospital up in Greenville, but he needed a way to get there. And so he's calling, this, calling me out of blue, out of nowhere. I, I mean, how did he get my home phone number? Because I'm not passionate at church anymore. He used to walk out and we talk. And he's, that, do I know anybody who has a van? No, man, I, I, I don't know right now, but let me pray about it. Well, how long did it take for me to pray about that? Less than a second. I mean, this is when the father, right, is smacking you upside the head. What do you mean you don't know anybody who has a van? I gave you a van, and now I gave you a 15 passenger. You don't need that other van. You got two vans. Why do you need that second van? I called him back five minutes later. I said, hey, I found one. <laughs> it's in my driveway. It's exactly right. I did. I fessed up. I fessed up. It's in my driveway. Someone gave me, another, someone gave me this van, and, and the Lord provided me to be able to get this bigger van because my family's gotten bigger. And so... He says, how much do you want for it? I said, no, you don't understand. Somebody gave me this van. Freely you received, you freely give. This is your van. Clearly God gave me this van as a loaner for a period of time so that it could be, come to you so you could get, and I won't tell you her name, I still don't know all their names, to the Shriner Hospital. You've never seen a couple cry so much. I was joyous when we got it, but I honestly didn't cry. These people cried, cried, wept that, that God would be so gracious to them to give them that van, that they could get their daughter to the Shriner Hospital. Talk about blessings. You can't, you can't pay me enough for that van than what I just got paid. And I'm losing it all because I'm telling him about it. Anyways, <laughs> it's all right. I got it all that day. What a blessing. I'm just telling you, the poor, you got to have pity on the poor. Do not worry about the poor ripping you off. They're not ripping you off. They're ripping God off. But you can't rip God off. Because he owns everything. Someone's going to come in and steal from the church. Someone stole a ladder from the church years ago. I have no clue who it is, but I pity that person. Because God knew who it was. I don't know if they fell off it, or I mean, I'm not wishing it on them, but you know what I'm saying. It was like, you don't steal from a church, man. That's like, like stealing directly from God. It's like, hey, God, I'm going to steal from you. Proverbs 22.9, he who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. Proverbs 28.27, he who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Generosity, then, the distribution of our, per, of our surplus. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I'll give it when you have it with you. Do not devise evil against your neighbor for he dwells by you for safety's sake. Do you realize that the people that God's got living next to you are there for a reason? Especially if they're unbelievers. Because God wants you to minister to them. God wants you to be the light to them. And you know what God uses predominantly in this world today to get their attention? Money. Yeah, it's your heart, yes. But it's going to be shown through your money, how you're, you're stingy. They know, your neighbors know if you're stingy or if you're not stingy. Your neighbors know whether you're willing to give of your time, of your talents, of your treasures. You think you got them deceived, but they, you don't got them deceived. They know exactly who you are. Proverbs eleven seventeen: the merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. Proverbs eleven twenty four to 26, there is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than what is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. I'm just saying, do you see, I mean, God's word's got a whole lot to say about this, okay? And Again, I started this off a couple weeks ago talking about how stinking rich we are. And I understand some of you are poorer than others of you. But collectively, every one of us in this assembly are rich. You've got so much. And God is willing to, I believe by faith, that God is willing to cause so much more pass through your fingertips for his kingdom's glory. But if you're looking for this health and wealth movement thing, that God wants you rich, you're, you're wrong tree. It's the wrong theology. 
what I'm seeing is God doesn't mind if I'm poor, if I'm putting out everything he's given me to help other people come to know him and be introduced to his kingdom. Proverbs 13, verse 7, there's one who makes himself rich, yet he has nothing. One who makes himself poor, yet he has great riches. The wicked cover the catch of evil men, but the root of the righteous yields fruit. Whoever falsely boasts of giving is like a cloud without wind and without rain. I'm going to give you one more antidote, uh, and, and I promise I'm, I'm going to be done. And that is, years ago we had a plumber come to my house. Plumber's helper, more specifically. And this is when we were converting the, um, the garage into a bedroom and a, and a bathroom, because God was blessing us with more kids and um and so but we knew it wasn't like a surprise to us it was god we knew that god wanted us to have this but anyways so this was happening and so the plumbers help came in because i don't deal with plumbing okay i'll deal with some of the stuff but water i don't you know it just messes things up and so so this guy's in and um and i i know him through a series of things or whatever anyways and so by the end of the time of working in my house, we homeschool, and so all my kids were there, and my wife was there, and that kind of stuff. He tells me, we go outside, and he tells me, he says, Bob, I wish that one day I can be as rich as you. I said, dude, have you looked at my house? I am, I am not there at all. This is the days I'm working four or five jobs. Make sense? Yes, makes sense. And so, so he says, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. He says, you have so many blessings from God. I want to be like that. We got a great conversation. But he was like the rich young ruler who walks away sad because he's not willing to go to the extent in order to get those blessings. Are you willing rich young ruler, to sell everything you have. Everything you have. And give it to the poor who don't deserve it. I'm not telling you to do it. But that's been the challenge to me every time I read that passage. Am I willing to zero out my bank account have no no comfort zone, no no safety net, no retirement. And God's put me to there. <laughs> He's put me there. Steve can testify to that for me. I've been there. Steve and I met every week, right? And there have been times when I didn't know how I'm paying bills. But God has never, never, ever, never, ever, 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 never, 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 ever, 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 ever. You get the Dr. Seuss thing going on there, right? allowed me to miss a payment on anything. We've not been in credit card debt. I can't tell you in how long. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. The only reason it goes on a credit card is Discover's going to give me bonus points, and that's our date night fund. It's for real. Right now, the date nights don't happen because it's actually our, our Christmas fund, too. And so we can use the, the bonus points to buy Christmas gifts. Just think that through. It's part of a budget process. Don't have time to go through these. You can read all these things, but the distribution of our, of our surplus. But I want to end with Second Corinthians 9. The administration of this service not only supplies the needs for the saints, but it also the abounding through many, what? Thanksgiving to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. My last comment before we do my questions. You, again, I mentioned this, that your money is your, the most critical avenue way in which you show whether you're really trusting in Yahweh with all your heart. This is where it plays out in our culture. This is the God of our culture. This is the idol of our culture. It's mammon. It's money. This is who you, how you prove out who you really love, who you're really serving. And that is what you're going to do with the resources that God has given you. How tight to the string do you pull it 
God gave it to you for people to give thanks to him. That's where it ultimately goes. It's not to you. I don't want people thanking me. I want people glorifying God. So when I did a job for people, performing our work to the glory of God was our motto because I tell people, you're going to talk about God one way or the other when I leave here. I want you to praise God and thank God for sending me to do the work in your house rather than cursing God that he allowed me (laughs) to be the guy that came into your house. How purposeful are you in the administration of your finances? If you don't have a budget of some sort, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, now I get sometimes paycheck to paycheck because you're there at that point. I get that. But for most of us, you ought to have some semblance of a budget. There ought to be some idea of how you're spending money and you're doing it wisely. Does your stewardship of God's resources entrusted to you reflect someone with a thankful heart or a selfish heart? Considering your attitude, acquisition, and administration of finances, what specific changes need to be made to your use of God's resources? There always is tweaking that needs to happen. Sometimes it's bigger tweaks. Sometimes it's smaller tweaks. Finally, then, is there a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. We praise your name for who you are and what you have done. You are the giver. You are the giver of life. You are the giver of eternal life. You are the giver of every blessing, every perfect gift, and we give you the glory for that. Lord, help us then to reflect that in our own lives, that as you entrust into our care these resources, Lord, that we would then bless others with the same blessing that you've given to us. That your name may be glorified and that your name may be given thanks. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.